0: Welcome to The Pathless Path. I'm Paul Millard, and in this podcast, we examine the invisible scripts that run our lives and dare to imagine new stories for work and life. Today, I am talking with Danny Miranda on The Pathless Path podcast. Uh, Danny, somebody I've gotten to really know in Austin here. He's moved here, I don't know, sometime this year. and we moved here in 2022, but um, he's been really committing to his podcast, the Danny Miranda podcast, over the past few years. He interviewed me when I was in Taiwan writing my book, 2021, and was probably one of the first people that were like, your book's awesome, it's going to succeed. Uh, and he seems to have a an ability to see people that have magic and things lighting up inside them. It's been really cool to watch his journey up close, get to know him more as a person, uh, as somebody that inspires me, motivates me to think differently, think bigger, way bigger than I normally think. Welcome to the Pathless Path podcast, Danny.
1: Paul, it is an absolute pleasure to not only be here, but be your friend and get to know (laughs) you deeper. So thank you for the kind introduction. And uh, I'm excited to talk about whatever it is we're going to talk about
0: today. Uh, So... The first question I start with is what are the stories and scripts you grew up with uh, as a young kid that were what I should be thinking about what I become or what I'm doing as an adult?
1: The scripts that I grew up with was that life is something to be lived with love, with family, with hard work, you can achieve anything you want, and we will have my family— We will have the support behind you and we believe in you to achieve whatever it is you are setting out to achieve.
0: A lot of people grew up with that story of you can do whatever you want in the US. And it turns out once they become an adult, that wasn't really true. It was sort of like you can do whatever you want as long as you go after a job that pays a lot of money. Uh, For you, did you have the sense that it was that expansive?
1: Yeah, my mom and grandma listened to every podcast I publish, and pretty much I think they also listen to every podcast appearance where I'm the guest, so oh, like,
0: <laughs> hey, hey, grandma, hey my, hey, mom. yeah,
1: so they not only say that, they really mean it, and that is true for my grandpa as well, and my family as a whole is like, all right, like you can actually do whatever it is you want to do.
0: Yeah, talk to me about your grandfather.
1: <sighs> oh man. Um, my grandpa is the perfect role model for what it means to be somebody who lived life with discipline and love and really putting others on a pedestal in life, but also not doing that to the detriment of your own life and following what you want. He's somehow managed to coincide the what it means to be selfish and selfless at the same time. And so for me he's been a great role model for someone to aspire to and I'm just really grateful to have lived in that presence for so long
0: uh, do you have any examples that jump out with him
1: yeah I mean it's really just the care that he gives and the the presence and the questions like I guess the best example would be like if we were having a family dinner he would take a situation and be like okay, now what would you do in this situation? What do you think the right ethics are for, for this situation? And he was able to, and still does to this day, ask questions that show that he really cares about our own opinions and perspectives as little as when we were two, three, four, five years old. So.
0: What about your grandmother? What stands out with her support?
1: It's just imagine listening to 359 episodes of a podcast when you grew up, there was no such thing as a podcast, right? Like to be in that, like I've been given such a head start in life because of their love and support and the things that they've given me. And so just to live in that is just like, oh my God, like, I wish and pray, and what I'm trying to do with the podcast is give everyone the same experience that my grandparents gave to me and still give to me to this day.
0: So, Yeah, I sense that comes out in you. I think the first time it really hit me is you were visiting Austin last year in 2022, and we took a walk around the river, and... Just your your passion for life. I think sometimes you meet people. I mean, some people can be performatively positive. Mm. Um, when I met you, though, I was like, holy crap. This is like coursing through his veins. He he really cares. He has people supporting him so powerfully. You, you told me about your mother and your grandmother then. And it's beautiful. And I sense what you're trying to do with your podcast is you have a little extra to give because of this support. And you're like, well, how can I spread this love to a broader community of people around the world? Does that
1: resonate? 99% of people aren't given the love and support and appreciation that they need. And I was. So what does that, I'm in a very privileged position from that perspective. So what does that mean that I should do with that privilege? To me, there's only one thing to do which is to give it away to as many people as I possibly can. And yeah, it definitely resonates and it's definitely true. And I'm grateful that you noticed that right away because that is the essence of my being. So
0: where where does that come from, from all your family members? I don't know. I don't know where it originates
1: from but it's a combination of having intelligence. It's a combination of having emotional intelligence. It's a combination of wanting the best for the next generation, right? It's just a, a feeling of peace. Like if you, if you go around my family, like extended family, my mom has a bunch of sisters. No one's trying to get each other. There's no jealousy. There's no, and everyone's successful in their own right. And everyone's at peace and everyone just wants to spread love. And yeah, it sounds ideal because it actually is. And people might be listening and be like, oh man, I I wish I had that. And I wish everyone had that too. And so what I'm trying to say is like, let me give that to other people in the form of a podcast, in the form of presence, in the form of asking questions, in the form of let me give you love in this moment so that you can get a taste for that. And that could give you hope, inspiration to create that on your own, because I truly believe many more people can create that for themselves then realize and so let me be the spark that that gives that
0: so you grew up in new york which is a place um and you grew up in long island mm-hmm. right uh this is a place where i know other people that grew up there it's a place that cares about money it cares about status um did you growing up get a sense of that and like these are things i should be wanting to aim for
1: yeah Absolutely. I mean, education was at the the top of the hierarchy, but not education like learning, like education as in what school are you going to? And what's important is where you get educated. But to me, I was very young and I rejected that notion. Why? Because I saw the power of the internet because I was 15 years old and interviewing NBA players. And when you realize that you can do that, you realize that the games that other people are playing are silly. And you're like, I'm going to learn here and do this so that I can get a job in an office that I don't want to be in. That doesn't, that didn't make any sense to me at 15. And it didn't make any sense to me today. But, and so my parents and my family had a a bit of a conflict with that of like, wait, education to us is really important. And we view that as high status, but Dan, we love Danny. And what my parents and what my grandparents have done is they've chosen my own pursuits over the status of society. Meaning that they could easily say, well, you're not going the traditional path. So we choose society and we choose what is important to them over me. But they did the opposite. They they are choosing me and their love for me greater than what society values.
0: And I mean, it's one thing to support someone and love them. Um, it's another thing to like root for them. It mm-hmm. sounds like they decided to root for you. Like you started a time management blog when you were 13. Yes. Was that was that your first dance with the internet?
1: With the internet, yes, I believe so.
0: But like, what what were you reading before that? What were you consuming before the age of 13 that you're going to come out and write a time management blog?
1: Any answer that I give you would be (laughs) a lie because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just know it was in me to want to spread love and kindness to the broader world, to the best of my abilities.
0: Yeah. You, you wrote one article about influencing the next generation. (laughs) I was like, this is, this person is such a long-term thinker. (laughs) The next generation wasn't even alive yet. And you're like, here are like five hacks for influencing the next generation. Do you remember any of the writing or the things you put out there at the time?
1: No, I I only remember the Gary Vaynerchuk post because I resurfaced it later on. And I would love to go back and resurface some of those old writings because you really sense that this is in me at a deep level. Like almost like this was planted in me before I was born. Like I think about that destiny.
0: Yeah, it resonates with my own journey. I I look back and- the problem was the internet wasn't mature enough <laughs> when, when I was entering my 20s. Um, but I was, like, creating websites in the early 2000s, selling things on YouTube, I, eBay, um, participating in these basketball simulation leagues, and all sorts of stuff. I created a website in high school predicting the weather, and, like, all my friends followed it. Um, but then I just sort of, like, that's not serious stuff. And to be, to be to be fair, like, I couldn't have made a career out of this in the early 2000s. Um, mm. But who knows? But you seem to sense like, okay, there's something here. Were you meet, Were you meeting people? Um, did people reach out to you, connect to you in those early days? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I remember being interviewed on a podcast when I was
1: 13. And I only remember it because I when I went back to the time machine, I, I noticed myself get interviewed. I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. Like, this was a podcast before. Is it still podcast. out there? I don't know if it's still we out there. We gotta find that audio. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hilarious when you just look back on those early days. You're just like, there's there's something here that is so so deep within me and so exciting to to be able to like to understand that we are what you are doing today is has had imprints in the past. Like to yeah. me, that's just like the most exciting thing to think about.
0: So you start a Knicks blog after that. Um, what if Amari doesn't get hurt?
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't think he was good enough to be the the forefront of a an NBA championship winning team.
0: Yeah, fair. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was cool to see that picture. Uh, you, there's this picture of you online. You're sitting across from Amari Stoudemire. You're in these like grown up. Um, men mostly, um, and you're like this little kid just like sitting right across from Amari Stademeyer. How did you feel in that moment? Like I belonged to be there. Yeah? Why?
1: Probably because my parents and grandparents instilled in me that you can do anything. Probably because my mom took off work to drive me to the facility, right? Like I just had no sense of this— I knew it was unusual, but I I also knew I was capable of whatever the moment called for.
0: Yeah. So you go to college, you went to Binghamton. Uh, what, What was, talk me through like how you were thinking about life, maybe freshman year of college?
1: It was very difficult because I was going to college because my parents valued college. And I knew if given the opportunity, I would not. If if I was actually thinking about what I valued the most, I wouldn't be going to college. And so there was a lot of struggle and a lot of addictions that happened during that time where if I really boil down to what is the core of this, the core of it was that I was not following my own intuition and that I was following someone else's path. And I think we do this. Whenever we follow someone else's path and value it over our own, we have this feeling of like it, it manifests in ways that are, addictive behaviors or self-harm. And I personally noticed that. And those five years of going to Binghamton, first I went to Colgate for a year and a half, and then I went to Binghamton. And I tried to make the most of the experience, but intuitively I knew that that wasn't the right path for me to go down. So a part of me just went to the behaviors that were self-harming. And like what? Like drinking drugs, women, just like trying to escape, escape, escape reality. Because I knew that deep down, that wasn't the thing that was going to lead me to the place that I wanted to go. And honestly, looking back on it, I could have made the most of that experience. A lot of that is me not taking responsibility for the moment, right? I'm not going to sit here and place blame on my parents for paying for my education to take me to like... Like, it's it's silly for me to do that and say, like, I was in a situation that I didn't want to be in. So, therefore, you go straight to hedonic adaptation. Like, that's not the the right response to it. To me, I should have been like, I'm not in a situation I want to be in. So, I should either not go to college or I should be in college and make the most of this opportunity. And looking back on it, it's because I didn't take responsibility for myself and for my circumstances that I went to those just self-harming pursuits.
0: When did you start taking yourself seriously?
1: 2019.
0: Well, it's, it actually, it, like, it seems like you took yourself serious as a kid. You sort of lost that in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, it seems like 2019, you found that again?
1: September 9th, 2019. I sent an email to my friend Tej where I, I confronted the circumstance of my reality and said, I'm not in a position I want to be in. I don't know why I'm not happy. I don't know why I'm not content. And I started to meditate and I did 75 hard. And in that moment, I started to take responsibility for my situation. Who's Tej? Tej Dosa is an absolute legend. He's one of my best friends. Never met him at the time of this recording.
0: And we just... Wait, you've never met him right now? Correct. Right now. I've So he's like an internet friend
1: total internet friend we have hour long phone calls every honestly more than an hour 2 3 hour phone calls every month and we just vibe out and have energy and like just have an amazing exchange of like this is what i'm up to this is what i'm up to this, is what, I'm up to, this is what i'm struggling with but it was so impactful because i did 75 hard and he had been an internet friend for a year at this time but i did 75 hard in starting september 18 2019 And I finished day one and I told him about it. And he was like, I'm going to do it too. Why don't we text each other at the end of every day? And that baseline of having him as accountability was so impactful to me that it helped create a new reality for myself because I didn't want to let him down for the first half of the program. And by the end of the program, I didn't want to let myself down. But that space between not letting him down and being able to take the reins myself was so impactful. Changed my life.
0: What happened after that?
1: I thought I was going to be a personal trainer, but it gave me a lot more responsibility and discipline and understanding that I could say I was going to do something and actually do it. And that to me was a novel concept. That to me is why the Knicks blog didn't succeed. That to me is why the time management blog didn't succeed because I didn't have the discipline to keep doing something when I didn't want to be doing it.
0: Yeah, you wanted, it does seem like you were in a rush early in your life. Um, Is that resonate? No. Why do you say that? Well, just your own reflections. I mean, I was reading, you have this thread about a lot of the things and you were like, I, I quit. I quit this too early. I quit this too early. Mm. It was very clear looking back to you that you quit a number of things like quote unquote too early. What do you think you were missing then?
1: The discipline. I didn't have the discipline to keep doing something. And I was over indexing on the validation from others to do the pursuit.
0: Yeah, I think people underestimate how little external validation you'll get for an incredibly long time. Um, I think you experienced this with the podcast. I think it's been weird for this podcast. I've been doing this for five and a half years and almost nobody noticed for three plus years. I might get a comment every six months, but 98% of the comments are the last six months now. And this is like how everything works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we don't want it to be true. This is why people love these like here are 10 hacks to launch your podcast and get a crazy amount of followers and all these things um, how have you developed uh, appreciation for the discipline? Like for me, I don't see it as discipline as much as like just tru- trusting in my own interest and motivation over the, over the long term.
1: But are there any moments that you don't want to show up? For the podcast or for writing that you do anyway?
0: No. Not one? I'm, I'm some, I, I have been so relentless and not doing things I don't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I might be a weirdo. Like writing and podcasting are very easy for me. There's been 0% struggle for me. And when the thing is, like, I stopped doing the podcast for like six months. But I didn't look at it as struggling. I knew I would pick it up again, and it was sort of like I'm just gonna let it sit for a while. Um, Why? I I think I was just going through some health issues, mm-hmm. um, and I was like literally just physically incapacitated and didn't have the energy for it. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I I don't see it as discipline as much, but yeah, I I imagine you're on. Somewhat of like autopilot now. Like, are these things easy to do? Well, sometimes. Yeah. Right? Like, there were
1: last night. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And I need to do the timestamps for the next episode that I'm publishing on Wednesday morning, which is when I release Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to rewatch the episode and do timestamps for it. And then I did it and I was so happy that I did it. And I think that for me personally, going and finding a place that I do things only that I like doing before, during, and after is just impossible, knowing myself and knowing. So how do I do the things that I don't want to do before I do them? And then when I'm done with them, I'm like, I'm so happy I did that. Like, how do I find those things? And how do I find the, the discipline to do that? That to me has been so impactful.
0: So when did you start the podcast?
1: September 23rd, 2020. 2020,
0: almost a year after your reflection, September 9th.
1: Almost exactly, is when I started going inward and building discipline to starting the podcast.
0: Yeah. Talk to me, talk to me about that year before the podcast. Um, what other reflections were you going through before um, or after 75 Hard?
1: So I did a 60 minute, 60 day meditation challenge by Naval. And I started that in, I believe, May of 2020. And by July, the podcast was starting to take form. In your head? In my head and also with the phone calls that I was doing. So I put out on Twitter, who wants to talk on the phone? And that's when I started to realize that I had some of this excess love for myself because people were feeling so happy after the calls. And I was too. And I was like, wow, there's something here. I got to record these because this is filling me with so much joy. And so, but what was giving me the joy? In some sense, it was going inward, right? In some sense, it was doing the meditations and becoming more clear on what I actually wanted to want. And so the podcast podcast was birthed from that meditation challenge. And I continued doing that meditation challenge till December of 2020. And I think that that foundation of knowing myself has given me the direction for the thing that most people in the world will know me as, right? They'll know me for the podcast. But how did the podcast start? Podcast started because I really got in touch with myself.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you were actually curious about people. Did you start noticing, oh, I like talking to random people?
1: Yes. I mean, it is such a special thing when you can— ask questions to somebody, give them new perspectives, uh, you know, give them a hug, really, through the phone. It's just like, to me, that was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I got, <laughs> I got to do this for her. And And uh, at the time, I thought I was going to go to school to be a psychologist and get a master's in psychology because I was like, oh, maybe I can help people with therapy. And really, that's what I'm doing. And so like- oh my God, I'm so
0: glad you didn't get a master's. <laughs>
1: Because that's too much of the regular path.
0: No, it's not. It <laughs> wouldn't have been your path. I yeah. think for some people, that's great. But like, <laughs> I mean, you would have been a fish out of water.
1: Yeah. But I realized that I would be learning way more from doing the podcast than I would be learning from
0: school, yeah, w- is my belief. And what were you doing at the time? Were you working? No. So I was just
1: at home and living at my parents' house. And at first, I was becoming a personal trainer. And then I was just like, I just need to take this COVID time and just go inward and figure out myself. And I'm I'm blessed to have, you know, parents that would put food on the table for me and, and to put a roof over my head and like such a blessing.
0: Yeah. Was there pressure on you to get a job after you graduated or was it slightly released because of COVID also? So
1: I graduated in 2018 and I started, I was like, I don't want to work for anyone. I want to, build my own thing. And so I started going into drop shipping because I was looking on Twitter and being like, what's going on here? How can I make money? How can I build something for myself? And so I went into this world of marketing and drop shipping and I made a bunch of money doing that. And that to me was like, this is not fulfilling. Why isn't this fueling my soul? I'm helping people sell keychains that are like anniversary keychains and for special occasions, but it didn't fill the sense of of my purpose on this floating rock in space.
0: Yeah, it's an analytical game. The, this is the problem with many things. It's like drop shipping and FBA and all that world. Like it works, yes. But the problem is you have to wake up tomorrow and do it again.
1: Yes. And if your game, for some people's game, it's like making money. Yeah. Is the thing that like fuels them and gives them joy. And And I realized that wasn't me.
0: So, you're like, what's the opposite of making money? Let's start a podcast.
1: It's <laughs> so true. I mean, for me, I was just like, let me, making money isn't the game that I want to be proficient at. Let me play a game that I actually enjoy playing. Yeah. And let me figure that out. I thought it would be personal training, I thought it might be therapy or being a therapist, right? And I figure out it, it's the podcast. And I think having that space of like, you don't have to have life figured out as soon as you graduate college and don't have a path was helpful for me to internalize. Do
0: you have any pod- podcast role models? Oh, many, of course. Are you kidding? Who, like who were the ones at the beginning? I imagine Tim Ferriss is a big influence. He's huge influence on me. Drink, drink, break. <laughs> you, can, you can keep this in. <laughs> I
1: love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tim Ferriss was huge for me. I remember listening to my first podcast with my friend Zach Stempler on our drive to Maine Uh, and was part of my take actually in 2016. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like their energy together, Big Cat and PFT. And just was like, this is amazing and enjoyed it so much. And then I got it to Tim Ferriss. And I remember listening to John Lee Dumas uh, like back in like 2014, 2015. So maybe –
0: is that entrepreneur on fire?
1: Entrepreneurs on fire. So, but just like in those early days of like, what is a podcast? Why is this cool? Why is this interesting? Um, and then Rogan. I remember this was a good tell, and this might be helpful for some people listening. Is like when I was drop shipping and didn't want to do the work and procrastinated doing the work, I would watch Joe Rogan, and I think that if you are not in a path that you are enjoying. Look at where you're procrastinating. There might be some spark of your future in that procrastination, because that is where you're drawn to when you're you're saying there's no there's no time there's no and like for you you were working your corporate job and then you would procrastinate doing the work and what you do in that time.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so obvious now. Yes, it's like I was writing on Quora. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> It's like you can so clearly point. Where are you procrastinating? I think people really need to think about that. If yeah. they're listening to this podcast, it's like you're, you might be procrastinating by listening to this podcast. Okay, there is something there for you in your future if you if you actually listen to that call.
0: Yeah, my last few years in work, I would skip work and read books in the park. I would be writing on the internet in the mornings before I started work and... Yeah. Very, very clear.
1: (laughs) No. And that's why I encourage people to go inward so much and really meditate or just go out on walks alone and really think about their life or journal, whatever it is for you that's going inward. If you do that consistently, you will find the places in your life you are procrastinating, quote unquote, and realize that actually might be your sole purpose or reason
0: why you're here. Yeah. And I'm sort of jealous of you because you don't have the 10 years of baggage I had to unlearn <laughs> oh from the God. corporate world. Um, you're just going straight into it. There's such like a pure energy and like you don't have all these hangups. You have to unlearn and all these things. Um, how do you think about this is sort of like we have this concept of the real world, right? It's basically like after college, you're 22, you're entering the quote unquote real world, but you're just sort of like going into your interests right away. Like, how does that feel? Do you see people that, like me, and older people and, who have these, like, corporate experiences and other experiences, like, how do you see yourself compared to people like that?
1: I did my 10 years, too.
0: Yeah, that's true. You started at 13.
1: My my 10 years were Running
0: the, the Knicks beat.
1: Right. From 16, when I stopped the Knicks blog, to 24, when I first started going inward, that was my year's— doing the traditional path of what other people valued. So I spent eight years doing that as well and realizing that, oh, this actually isn't the path for me. So how I look at you or anyone who's done that corporate world is just like, I did it too in my own way.
0: Yeah, I guess in that sense, I spent much longer than 10 years on the default path. Mm -hmm. Man, so much to unlearn. (laughs) Um, Talk to me about the first, year of podcasting uh you're mostly doing you're only doing audio i think um what was keeping you going i loved it yeah
1: (laughs) i loved it and i just felt like there were enough moments that i was giving to other people that i was helping them in some way and i would get enough comments randomly from people being like oh like this was different or oh you're going to be a big podcaster someday Or like people would just throw these out. And I'm like, all right, there's something here. Like if I'm getting joy from the conversation itself and also people are recognizing some talent in me or feeling better about themselves from having the conversation, why wouldn't I continue doing this? What did they see? I don't know. I mean, probably just caring, right? Like actually giving a shit about the people I was talking to, actually like researching them, presence, really being with them. And for the first 227 episodes, these are all virtual conversations. And then it's like, I did it in person with Noah Kagan for episode 228. And I'm like, oh my God, like the level of connection you can get with somebody is so much deeper, obviously. But it was because it was COVID. I was like, so it really wasn't, it was like the thought of I could get good at this and I enjoy doing this and someone else is enjoying this experience as well. So why not? Just keep doing it.
0: Yeah. The, how do you, like, what led you to identify people early on? Like, you, you were literally the per- first, I've had many podcasts which grasped, grasped onto this idea of the pathless path. You were the first person that identified what I was writing about and did an interview with me. Like, I I feel like you're you're more than a podcast. You're sort of a talent scout. Yes,
1: and and that's an innate gift that I, when I'm 13 years old and watching Wine Library TV, as a 13 year old in 2009, and writing about Gary Vaynerchuk.
0: This is before he did all his other stuff. Before everything else. So you discovered Gary V.
1: I didn't discover him. <laughs> I know, no, 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 but I I did, I did have a sense for this guy is going to be somebody.
0: Yeah. What do you see? Is it? you see things that you aspire to be you think or when you're looking at life with the lens of
1: love and you're you're looking for people who are acting with discipline and love that's really what it is it's people who are doing a thing for an internal game and also people who are continuing to do it over and over again when seemingly quote unquote the rewards aren't there And that shows that they're playing a deeper game. And then you also look at who is connected to who and why and what's going on. So like if someone's looking at the landscape, it's like, okay, Paul's connected to Danny. Why is Paul connected to Danny? What is going on there? Why are they drawn to each other? And so you start playing this game with other people and you see who people associate with and you see who the players you respect are and you see who they respect. And you ask, why does that person respect that person? And so how did I stumble across Gary Vee? Probably because someone I respected looked at Gary V as, a, as somebody to look at. And some, so then you explore Gary Vee and you're like, is he acting with discipline? Is he acting with love? What is he doing this for? What are his motivations? How is he showing up? So I guess all that is happening in the background while I'm looking and identifying someone.
0: Yeah, I think people, I think this is a something that people do not appreciate enough with sort of the online game, is everything you're doing is communicating your own principles. Yes. And so I think if I'm bringing someone on the pathless path, they're going to think, oh, well, this is probably somebody that's super deep, probably spends a lot of time thinking and reading, (laughs) talking to people. And that is something I care deeply about and it's like when i see someone on your podcast you you explore such a wide range of people um outside of my comfort zone some people that i might dismiss as like oh that's just like a hustle energy but then they go on your podcast and be be like there must be something deeper there like because danny's pretty thoughtful um and it can change my perspective of someone it's because I've I've learned to trust you, and I think it kind of ties back. Like when when I first start started seeing you share ideas on the internet, you were communicating in a language that was very Gary V. hustly, um, and that is not my preferred language. I'm not fluent in hustle or grind, but you have taught me that that I should not dismiss people that are communicating like this. I sort sort of. Uh, And this is a perfect example. I I shared this tweet of just because somebody's communicating in hustle, like a lot of people are just not aware that they're actually playing a deeper game. They just haven't read enough literature and poetry. And then your reply was like, where do I start?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. It's true. And I appreciate that compliment so much. Because you can be playing a hustle game and you could be playing a money game and actually— be having something deeper going on, right? And I think that the first inclination for a lot of people who are looking for peace is to say, if you are playing a hustle game, you are therefore not playing a peace game. But for some people, playing the money game is peaceful.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think, and what I've learned is I I was in a world where the only Modes of winning were money and status and progression in a career. And I hated that. I didn't like who I became. So I became very turned off by that world because I became scared of a version of myself I didn't want to become. But I also do think like this, this whole hustle language is just so pervasive. Like I think we, we struggle sometimes, especially in the US, to really communicate what's going on. And Um, this is something I'm trying to expand is like, let's talk about these deeper games with like a broader language. And But it's so hard to communicate. Like we we had this conversation once around like being on like a true path. Um, What does that mean to you? To me, it means that like
1: I have this belief that I was put here like before birth to follow some path or to play out some karma. And – For me, when you say you're following a true path, to me that feels like you are doing the thing that you were put on this earth to do. What does it mean for you?
0: I think for me, it's a state. It's about being connected and being honest, not deluding myself into thinking I want things that I don't want, right? It's sitting down to write and being like, okay, did I enjoy that hour? Would I have skipped it if I could have just gotten to the finish line? without having to do the work. And it's like, no, I wouldn't have. So I want, I cherish that time. And and that's true. Um, what do people, what's your response when people are like, what's your goal? What's, what's the next step? What are things like these? Do these translate to how you're thinking about your path now? Hey there, it's Paul. I just wanted to take a second and thank you for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to support more, I'd love if you'd share this podcast episode or the podcast as a whole with one other friend. Sharing it like that is the easiest way you can help me grow the podcast, get better guests, and help me continue on this long game. Next, if you're enjoying this conversation, you'd probably enjoy my book you can check out my book, The Pathless Path, which has now sold over 40,000 copies. You can check that out on pathlesspath.com. And finally, if you're looking to find the others on unconventional paths, I've started a community, the Pathless Path community, where you can find others on unconventional paths. You can check that out on pathlesspath.com membership. All those links you can find below and back to the episode. Hey there, it's Paul, and thanks for listening to the Pathless Path podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm really loving doing this show and for the first time have the support to help me take it to the next level. Unfortunately, it's still pretty hard to spread the word on podcasts, but that's where you can help me out. If you enjoy these episodes, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or Spotify or simply share the episode on social media or with some friends. Finally, if you're enjoying this conversation, you'd probably like my book too. It's been read by thousands from around the world, and each week I get notes saying how much the book helped people on their paths. You can grab the audiobook read by me or other versions in the link in the show notes below. Let's get back to the show.
1: So when people say, like, what's your goal? I tell them, like, to sell out Madison
0: Square Garden. Yeah. And that that is interesting to me because it's not obvious. What do you mean? Like, if you, if you replied with 50,000 downloads a month, I don't know why my instant response to that is like, oh, it's kind of like. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's more to life. Like selling out Madison Square Garden is not something anyone says. <laughs> and it's sort of like long term enough that you're not really caught up in like okay, I need to do this in 3 months. It's like you can actually still be present in the moment with that goal. Yes. While having that goal off in the future. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just about,
1: I think the thing you're you're hitting on when you're talking about the writing is like, would I play this game even if no one knew that I was playing? And to me, mat- selling out Madison Square Garden is a representation of that. It's like, I want to do that for myself because it is a cool way to bookend starting a Knicks blog to then going to the place where the Knicks play and then having, being the, the reason why people come when I was the one who was taking the train to see the Knicks as a high school kid. And so I think life for me is, and the true path for me, is about playing the games that only you could play or the games that are so inherent to you that it's like that is a human being who is doing something for themselves on their own journey, on their own mission, on their own path. That's a true path a lot of the times because they're not doing it because they think it's cool or other people will applaud them. Like to me, I'm doing it because it is really what my heart needs to express for myself.
0: Yeah, and it seems like you're detached from that goal. Like if you don't sell out Madison Square Garden, I feel like you'll still see your life as a success.
1: 1,000%. It's not about that. It's about trying to achieve that because it's, it's a fun thing to shoot for because it makes life more fun. Do you have any short term goals? Continue having the best conversations I possibly can.
0: It's keep playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, but people get confused by that. Do you get people that are like, well, what do you mean? Like, do you, do you have any like short, like short term goals? And no, people don't ask you that. No, I, no, people don't usually
1: ask me short term goals. And people, I guess we're
0: in a nice bubble of like, (laughs) a lot of people who like, don't know what they're doing.
1: <laughs> no, but but the thing is, I do feel like I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. What I mean is, like, the kind of work we do, we don't know what the world or the landscape or the, the quote-unquote game will look like two or five years from now. Yes. All we know is that we want to keep playing the game. <laughs> And, like, don't want to get kicked out and don't, like, I did not want to go back and get a job. Um, I think I've created enough of um, awareness around that that I think my friends would come kidnap me if I was about to accept a job.
1: <laughs> yeah, because at some point, and I think that's important for people, is, like, what's the point in which you can't not go back? Or you you have to keep playing the game? Like, where it becomes unreasonable for you to go back to the old way. And and finding that point, I feel like is so important for people. Because it's like, all right, once... I'm, I'm trying to figure out when was that for me, but when was that for you? The point in which you're like, all right, this is too good for me to ever do something like I was doing in the past. Again.
0: Yeah, it was December 2017 for me. I had made money freelancing and had enough space in my life that I was like... Oh my God, I could never live another way. And my way to celebrate was to stop working for money for a few months. And just that's when I started my podcast and started my blog and just started writing. And I liked how I was living for the first time in years. And that was, it took me years to understand what was going on. And so, how long had you been? This is the problem with interviewing a podcaster
1: <laughs> starting <an interview. laughs> well, how long had you been been working for yourself at that point? when did you quit your job
0: uh may 2017
1: so within six months or yeah. three months
0: yeah about th- six seven months yeah within seven months you were so obvious I like, could never
1: go back and how long had you been thinking about that decision
0: about quitting yeah not long. Oh, this nice. is the weird thing. Um I I just didn't have an imagination of other possible lives. Like I had no conception of like being a digital nomad or a creator. My only idea was like I'll just figure it out in freelance. I just hate my current path so much. I need to figure something else out. Um, so I was sort of just running away from a life I just didn't want to keep playing. But yeah, it was something. I knew in my heart that I couldn't go back, but I wasn't saying out loud, loudly. For years, I was very timid to say what I thought, and it was just hard. Where does that come from? Um, I, think, I think I grew up in a family where a lot of people succeeded on the traditional path and saw me walking away from a path where I was very successful and... I, I think it just didn't fit with a lot of people's story of how life worked. And I felt ashamed. I felt like I was letting people down. I felt like I like I knew people thought I was wasting time with my life. And yeah, I just like stayed small. I eventually ran away to Asia. Um, but played it safe with my writing in, until I wrote my book and I knew I couldn't hide it anymore. And that was 3 years later at yeah, least it took a f- long time yeah
1: for for you to be comfortable in owning what you actually believed in what you were doing
0: yeah two two to 3 years two two, two years it started flipping for me and then 3 years yeah like as soon as i started writing my book i was like oh we got to we got to let it rip baby <laughs> and that falls
1: in line with like once you are able to own your desires you're able to dream bigger, which makes the game more fun.
0: Yeah. So you said you knew when that moment was for you.
1: The moment in which I couldn't go back was probably…
0: Go back to what? like Right, right. Like go back shipping? to
1: the, <laughs> the traditional path, I guess. Yeah. Or like get a job. was yeah. like interviewing Gary Vaynerchuk, episode 39 of the podcast. I'm like, if I could do this in 72 days, like, come on. Like, what can I do? Like, you know, that P Diddy clip that you probably don't resonate with of him flipping the table over and just him saying like, what's next? Tell me something I can't do. I felt that (laughs) in my bones of like this Uh, energy of like, I could do anything I set my mind to.
0: Yeah. What do you you think Gary sees in you? Because I know he's been very proactive in supporting you and he hasn't had to, like you haven't sought it out sometimes and he's gone out of his way to really root for you.
1: Yeah. I think he has deep love for himself and he sees somebody who identified the love and loved him. And because at such a young age, I think like I, he respects talent scouts. He respects people who could see talent and he thinks of himself as talented. And I do too. And he's like, if this kid could see that at 13, that's really impressive. And so I think that's probably what it is.
0: Yeah, I think Gary is such an interesting person because he's incredibly honest about what he cares about and what he wants and how he's going to do it. And I think most of the criticism of him is really just the followers he attracts sometimes who are playing a more surface-level game. Um, But I think this is something that has changed, which is that... People went from working jobs behind where we don't actually see what's happening, what people are doing. They're living lives behind closed doors to people are living lives more in public now. And if we observed the behavior of young knowledge workers, like myself at 23, we'd be like, that's such a lame game they're playing. It looks so silly. They're communicating with such immature language. But When people are entering these creator games and communicating, they're trying stuff out in public. And it can be incredibly embarrassing. But I think the upshot of this is that people um, learn much quicker. And like, I think watching your journey, like you've just learned at such an accelerated pace um, because you're getting influence from people, you're getting feedback from people, you see people say things, and you're like, oh, maybe that's interesting. I should lean into that. Um, What are some of the pieces of feedback or sort of role models you've picked up along the way that have sort of inspired you to learn and kind of like really trust yourself? I've always trusted myself. Um,
1: but the learning piece of it, and Pom said this recently too, and he's somebody who I'm really inspired by for his rate of learning. But he he mentioned me in that my my rate of learning is something that is is exciting or that it helps my trajectory. And I I guess I never considered that. Like I just figured I love doing the work and I'm going to continue doing the work without really thinking about like, all right, if I, if I learn this quickly, like great things will happen. Like I never framed it in that context.
0: Yeah. You interviewed me in 2021. I remember listening to one of your podcasts a year later and it was like, holy crap. He got so much better at <laughs> what interviewing. You th- what was it? I don't know. I think it was just, I think this is like, you're on a path that, which is the path you actually want to be on. And I think learning flows downstream from that. Right. A couple of people have said this to me recently about my podcast and I think my reaction is similar. I don't. Re- I don't know what's happening. I can't explain <laughs> it. Uh, somebody said you've gotten to be such a good interviewer. I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't know. I just keep doing the podcast. It's like this is easy for me. This flows. I like this. I can. I can do this. But this will. I think this will be like 148 episodes. Um, so I think it's just a numbers game. The more you do of thing, do of something you actually like, the inevitable outcome is that you'll get better at it.
1: Yeah, you are really good at it. And I listened to the Alex Hardy episode. And I'm like, oh, wow. like You were able to get things out of him in such an amazing way. And the conversation flowed so well that I was like, damn, Paul has got something here. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. If you enjoy playing a game and you do a lot of that game, you're inevitably going to get better. Like, And so I had that understanding when I was doing episode 140, whatever it was when I interviewed you. And I had that understanding when I started. It's like, if you do it a lot, you will get better. There's no other way for anything to happen. And I learned that from meditation. I learned that from doing 75 hard. I learned that from lifting weights. And it's just like, you learn that lesson once and you can apply it over and over and over again.
0: You got distracted from podcasting. You you dropped out of the game for a bit. And, um, you took you took a job. Yes. Um, talk to me about that. <laughs> but I mean, the job
1: was me podcasting. Yeah. But it wasn't the
0: same game, which right. is a th- an important distinction. I think you
1: you noted there, which is like, I took this job for because I thought that it would make my dad happy.
0: Twenty twenty one.
1: Twenty twenty one, and he was happy. And I thought it was combining my passions of like, all right, I'm doing NFTs. I love NFTs. And, And now I love podcasting too. Like combine them. This is going to be amazing. This is still playing the same game. But then I quickly realized like, oh no, this is different. And I can't do my podcast and also this job at the same time. And oh man, this sucks. And now I have to let these people down. And so, yeah, I stopped playing the podcast and it really hurt my psyche. And it really hurt. Like I was depressed about it, about the whole thing about going down the wrong path. And
0: around that time, like, it's like three months. Yeah, it was like three months. <laughs> it was like three to <laughs> six months, but it was like, I spent 10 years,
1: but it felt that way
0: because, <laughs> yeah, because of how I lived my life,
1: you know, and, and around that time I, I stopped meditating as often. And, and I think that that's closely related to going down the wrong path for me personally is meditation. If I'm not meditating, I will get led down a place that I don't like going and that isn't that is putting other people's desires above my own. That's what has happened time and time again. Is that when you went to the cabin? The cabin was August of 2020 and so that was right before starting the podcast. Um, I need I'm going back to the same cabin in the same week, three years later. Wow and I'm I'm so excited just to like see what new realizations I have or how that experience impacted like I'm so excited. and interestingly so, enough, like just a side tangent, that cabin is in the same city as one of my close friends who I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to dox where he lives or whatever, but I'm just like, how crazy is that from the podcast? Like I did the podcast and he turned out to be one of my close friends and it was in the same town. That's in a little town you would never know.
0: So that's amazing. Yeah, this this is fascinating. Um, I'm actually going back to Taiwan this summer and- It feels, well, I was, I've been back there. I've been on and off living in Taiwan, but we haven't been back. Um, I'm going back with a daughter who's half Taiwanese and it'll be five years after I moved there. And that's really when everything opened up for me. And it's such a special experience. Um, So I know exactly what you're talking about. It's these rituals and sell, like these rituals are so important. I was talking with our mutual friend, Sky King, and he planted the seed of leisure as celebration. Love that. Uh, because I struggle to celebrate myself, mostly because I'm just like, I don't care that much about my outcomes. But what enables me to celebrate is just like reflective time, like taking a long walk is just freaking beautiful for me where I can reflect on things, see see what's happening in my life, check in with myself. And that's a beautiful way to reflect. Um, Does that resonate with you in terms of like this time of disconnecting?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like, I also think there's something beautiful about going to the same place that helps spark the ideas and with a new lens or with the additional time that you've... So Taiwan to you helped create some change and now you've actually changed and now you get to look at that same place that helped spark those ideas with a new lens that you've created from being there. It's like a beautiful full circle. And I think like full circle moments make life so much more magical. And yeah, that's what going to the cabin is for me. It's just like a full circle of like, look what this cabin has helped me
0: create. So tell tell people what happened when you went there in 2020.
1: So in 2020, I was doing the meditation every day. And I was like, I was doing sixty minutes, and I was like, I know I can go deeper on myself. Like I can, I know I can fully disconnect, and I know there's going to be something that comes out of that. And so I brought a bunch of old journals, and I brought a bunch of books that I wanted to read, and I did nothing. You know, quote unquote nothing. Right? <laughs> um, I went on long walks. I I had no time with my phone or no time with laptop for five days straight. And the first two days, I was just like, oh, like waiting for notifications and all these things to pop up that I was used to, text messages. And on the third day, I really got still. And I really sat with the nothingness and it really felt good to have nothing come in. And I was like, wow, this is magical. Like, this is amazing. By the fourth day, I had such a clear direction of where I wanted to go and where I wanted to take my life. And I knew that the life that I wanted to live was just a result of me taking certain actions. And by the fifth day of me leaving, I was so optimistic because I was like, oh my God, I know exactly what I need to do and I'm going to do it. A lot of times people are operating with this feeling of like, I know I should be doing X, Y, Z, but now I had this clear direction and purpose. And that was starting the podcast. And I had names of a hundred people that I would... I'd be like, I'm going to reach out to Gary Vee. I'm going to reach out to Annie Frisella. I'm going to reach out. And I had all these people. And I, one by one by one, reached out to them. A lot of people ignored me. and A lot of people I've had on sensing them ignoring me, but I just had a direction. And I knew exactly the step I needed to take. And so that's what the the trip gave me to the five days in the woods of doing quote unquote
0: nothing. That's so beautiful. Um, how do you think Big T- teach me. <laughs> we, and for for context, um, I now play Danny Miranda mode in my head when I'm like, how do I generate bigger and grander goals? Uh, we had a conversation a few months ago, um, episode three fourteen. No, no, no. This was oh. at um, Poke Plus, and you're like, your book's gonna sell a million books, a million copies, and it made me so uncomfortable uh, when you said that. And then I got curious. I'm like, how does Danny think like this? <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, it's even more interesting because I think people naturally come up with big goals in the US, especially doing the kind of work I'm doing. But I realized I don't really generate these because I just like what I'm doing most days. I had another conversation with um, Billy Oppenheimer and he's like me. He doesn't generate these huge goals. So how how do you think like this? Like, is this always been how you've thought?
1: Yeah, it, it is always part of how I've thought. But I think it, it's because I just have a deep love for the things that I do often. And I get so excited by them. And I extrapolate to, I, I know a couple of things. I know one, the internet compounds in a way that we really can't understand. And two, it's like, why wouldn't you have the most fun that you possibly could? it requires more pressure it, like you're speaking to 19,763 people live that's a lot more pressure than even speaking to 19,763 people virtually but it's like you're talking about Madison Square Garden yes that is the attendance and the the capacity for Madison Square Garden but to me it's just like why would you not have more fun on this floating rock in space and to me thinking <laughs> big is having more fun
0: i love that how <laughs> What, how should I think bigger for this podcast?
1: Well, it's like, what is the most fun that you could imagine yourself having while doing this?
0: Well, I think this As, is the interesting thing for me because like this is like, every episode is so fun. I'm like, I'm enjoying it so much. I struggle with developing outcomes. Like I, I picked up this idea from Justin Welsh, which I think he might've mentioned on your podcast, shiny outcome syndrome. I think I might have like, outcome rejection syndrome where I'm like so skeptical of any outcome or legible goal that like, I just don't even think about them at all.
1: Well, it goes to the fact that a lot of people choose outcomes because other people think they're amazing, but I'm choosing the outcome of Madison square garden because I think it's amazing. And, and so I think I got it from Gary V with the buying the jets is like an outcome that is so specific to him that he doesn't necessarily need to achieve, but that the pursuit of will be fun to aim at. And so the question for you is, how do I find a goal or something so audacious that is so inherent to me based on my own life experience and trajectory that I can aim for, but not feel attached to if I don't hit it, that will still be fun if I'm in the process of achieving it? So I think that's really how you do it.
0: Can I just outsource this to you? And you'd be, you be my like gold Sherpa. <laughs>
1: I'm like gold Sherpa. I've never been called a goal Sherpa. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think for you, it you have to analyze the things you were doing as a child that were fun for you and that how could you play those at bigger and bigger levels. So for you, I know you, you love DJing, right? And that's, like, one of your, like, pet pursuits of, like, this is just fun. fun for me. It's, like, so the question becomes, like, what is something from your childhood that you did or a place you went to or, you know, like, a place where you got the love for DJing and how could you experience that yourself, for yourself? Right? Like, for me, it was, like, I love going to the Knicks games. All right? So, like, how do I put myself in the position of being a Knicks player when I'm not Good enough to be good at basketball. Oh, well, I could take something that I love, which is doing the podcast and put it in my childhood to make my childhood self happy.
0: I guess I could just make it the Boston Garden.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You could, right? Like imagine Paul Miller DJing the Boston Garden. Yeah. It it maybe doesn't hit for you. Yeah, it doesn't hit for me. But no, I love
0: this generation i process. You're so good at it. Thank
1: you. I've never had to explain it to people. And thank you for giving me the space to think about it because it is it just does come inherent
0: to me how How have you thought about the business of podcasting? Um, I know you were able to make some money um, from that part-time job you made um, but you're not like secretly rich <laughs> um, which I, I think is cooler. There are people that are either have a spouse that is making money and supporting them you're just doing this you're betting on yourself like how are you? How are you paying for all the studio time? I know you're beg, borrowing and stealing sometimes, <laughs> but um, yeah, How? what's the like business side of it look like for you?
1: So I've had a lot of trust in the universe when going down this path and how that has manifested has been so many different unexpected ways that I possibly couldn't have created before doing the podcast. So there was one, one moment in the podcast history where I was like really deep on doing clips. And I was like putting out a bunch of clips, clips being vertical. Most people who listen to this will will know what a clip is. Short form, less than 60 seconds. They'll know what a clip is. And so at some point I had a clip agency and I was doing clips for people. then I was like, this isn't fun. So I stopped doing that. And so I made some money doing that. And then I was like, all right, what else? And then this opportunity comes to me where I'm consulting for people and helping them start their own podcast. And I'm like, I could have never predicted this and now I'm, I'm helping people get guests and interviewing and when they're interviewing, I'm able to look at their, their videotape and consult on it and figure out what's the best way to do this conversation and it's just like, now I'm doing a course and so, I don't know, I've had a lot of trust in like, all right, like, what is the next path and how am I following my own heart in what is fun for me? Do
0: you get stressed about
1: the money side of it? No, I just feel like it, everything will work out how it is supposed to.
0: Yeah. Do you know like how much you're living on now? Like how much your life costs now?
1: No, I have no idea the numbers. It. I. I should be better. This is where I need your help consulting. Are, be- you're not like. Are you? You're not like in debt though. No. You're, okay. No, I'm not. I'm not in debt. Everything just works out. <laughs> it's. It's pretty That's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. It, it's pretty crazy. And I don't have a lot of sense for the numbers, and I wish I had more of that analytical mind, and I wish I, I got better at that, and I do want to get better at that as I think about like having a family one day or like caring for other people. It's like that's a part of life that I feel like I could get a lot better at, but I I have a lot of trust in the universe and in the world working out as it is supposed to.
0: How have you been able to deepen your trust for the universe?
1: I read this book called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer and it, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. This idea that 13 billion years got us to this moment right now. It's like a real deep concept. Like 13 billion years got us to right now. How could it not be perfect? And if you actually believe that, it's like, for me, it's very freeing. And it's very much like, this is exactly what is supposed to happen at the right time. And that plays into podcasting too. It's like you're having a conversation. Someone says something offhand and then you pick up on it and then you have a a great conversation on that offhand comment just because you were able to trust the moment. And so I think when people say like, Paul, you've gotten so good at interviewing, what they're really saying is like, Paul, you're getting really good at trusting the moment. You're getting really good at being one with whatever happening and being okay with it. And so for me, it was reading the books. It was meditation. Meditation was also a huge part of it. Of like, you don't know. You can't choose your next thought. But it's coming up. So what is going on there? And yeah, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. I mean, this guy started meditating in the woods. And he ended up running WebMD. And it's like, he was meditating in the woods the entire time. And just had faith and surrender to whatever was going to come next. It's like, there's something
0: there. I don't know what, but there's something there. So why don't live that yourself? What do you think comes next for you 20 years from now? 20 years from now, bro. Oh, my God. Do you
1: think on those timescales? I mean, I really hope that I've had sold out Madison Square Garden at that
0: point. Because I I want my— I think that's more likely than them making the finals. (laughs) (laughs) The making the finals, that's Dude, three one for
1: the Celtics right now. We'll see what comes out in twenty years. I don't Looking back, you're like, should I have faith in the Celtics again? I'll is do, what you're. They'll be lesson?
0: fine. They'll be fine. Great, great <laughs> franchise. Great owners.
1: <laughs> it really does come from the top, right? It's, it's crazy how. But twenty years from now, dude, it's like whatever I am imagining is so, like. I have a feeling that whatever I will imagine, it will eclipse what I am imagining because it is a true path. And so anything that I say, it's just like there's so many variables to that. But I'm excited to find out and I'm excited to to try to live with as much love and discipline and kindness as I possibly can for the moment and be as present as possible for the whole thing.
0: One thing I don't hear often with people your age, is how excited they are to become fathers one day. Yeah, um, that seems like a really important thing for you in the future.
1: Definitely, I think I'm I'm creating the podcast that my grandparent, my grandchildren will appreciate, and will give them guidance. And I think that people don't realize what opportunity they have with the internet of teaching the next generation,
0: right? Of teaching your. This goes back. This is your article when you were 13. You were like, tips to influence the next generation.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so I think I inherently realized at a young age the impact that putting something on this digital archive will have. And I saw that. And so this is me acting on what I saw at a young age. I'm excited to be a parent because it's like you get to influence someone's behavior and give someone the love. Like people feel loved when I talk to them for an hour on the podcast. Imagine being with me 24 seven and helping guide some of your decisions and giving you love in that moment. And it's like, that's a whole new level of love. And I know the ways in which I've been parented so well. And grandparent, my grandparents are incredible. So it's like, if I can do that for a kid myself, like with all the lessons that I've learned through meditation and the podcast and learnings, it's like, I'm so excited to give that gift to somebody
0: to a, a lot of people hopefully or at it, least 3 or 4. It's awesome. I'm 3 months in. I highly recommend it. Um what what are some uncomfortable edges for you that you're exploring right now?
1: Masculinity and femininity is a huge one that I don't know I would have had enough comfort with myself or knowing of myself to explore uh when I started the podcast, but it is an uncomfortable place for me to go because I think that it's a topic that isn't being discussed that I think is really important that more people discuss in uh, culture and society. So that's the uncomfortable edge that I'm tiptoeing on right
0: now. Yeah. What about, how does that apply to you? Like what, what makes you uncomfortable about that?
1: I'm not sure. I don't know what makes me uncomfortable by that. I think Maybe that it's a conversation that's just not being discussed at, in a way of kindness and love and discipline. Like, I, I don't think it's being discussed in the context that I want it to. So it makes me uncomfortable of like, oh, am I going to be the one that takes us there in some sense?
0: Yeah, I, I sense there's this sort of, I think it's kind of fake, which is like men are terrible or there's sort of a backlash to that, which is like men are treated poorly in society. And I was thinking about this and just like the people I know. It's it's never been easier to find other optimistic and supportive and caring and like emotionally aware men. I think. I don't think our parents had this privilege. No. Um especially our fathers. Like it just there wasn't cultural permission to be that. And I think this is like something I've really grown to appreciate about the US is like how open it is, and it's very comfortable to be a guy, like, sharing emotions and being open and being supportive. Um, And I've been lucky, especially in this, like, creator world, to meet people that are so earnest and supportive. Yeah. I
1: mean, Tucker Max is sitting in your chair and he's saying, basically, like, 20 years ago, if you're at a bar talking the way you are, to me, like, that would be so weird right and yeah. and he's like i accept what you're saying now and like think it's cool and it's just like that shows the progression of where we've gone from from 2003 to 2023 when it comes to quote unquote being a man and how that relates to feelings and our own level of comfort with self and it's like a lot of, a huge part of that is the internet a huge part is that of that is more perspectives and more opinions and a deeper understanding of the truth of how someone should raise a child today versus
0: 2003. Yeah, I think this is a totally underappreciated part of the internet is there's more optimistic people to follow, but there's this mass, mass media will focus on the negative because that's going to drive more clicks. But the long tail of like interesting, supportive, optimistic, positive weirdos is like incredible. Um, And the funny thing, like, Tucker Max, everyone, every guy I knew read his stuff. Every woman I knew read his stuff when I was in college, 03 to 07. And, yeah, it's sort of like an arc for our generation because a lot of people in my generation, elder millennials, we grew up in this time where we were still sort of acting out the previous generation's behaviors, which was, like, dunking on guy friends, making fun of each other, like being assholes, and it never felt good for people. And I think a lot of people have been very happy to like let go of that. Yes. And I
1: think that's why it was so important for me to have Tucker on the podcast was because he's a representation of the arc, almost of American society in that time. And in some ways. And it's it's like, we need to get to... A place of, of deeper love and compassion. And it's like, we've made great strides. And I think like there's another level of, of understanding one, like it has to be cooler to be kind to one another and to put each other up while also having the, the discipline to hold our friends to higher standards for themselves. So there's like a, A very important nuance that I think we are moving towards of like, yes, you can have love. You can have compassion for your fellow friend, but you can also hold them to a high standard. Like, dude, you could sell a million copies of your book, right? Like that is like, (laughs) that is what I'm talking about of like holding people to a high standard that they are capable of achieving while also doing it with love and compassion and kindness.
0: I love that. Do you have a list right now of people you want to have on your podcast?
1: I should, when I go back to the the cabin, I will have a list that I will the create. The next hundred. <laughs> but but I mean, right now it's like Eckhart Tolle, Michael Singer, um, Mike Posner, Russ, Israel Adesanya, Jocko Willink, David Goggins. I know you don't resonate with some of these people, but it's like, I want to bring the best meditators, the best warriors, and like, let's have conversations to get better as human beings. And that's that's really- what I'm about?
0: I mean, if you're interested in people, it piques my curiosity too. Like this is the coolest thing about podcasts is like you can get Danny Miranda's lens on that person. Yes. And I know it's going to be a deeper, more thoughtful lens, right? Whereas like if Jocko Willink goes on like some like more hustle podcasts, it's, they're going to talk about like tactics and like all these things, it's not going to be the best interview. Um, So, and yeah, you can listen to the same person on a hundred different podcasts and get a hundred different stories. Though sometimes not. I think one of the most interesting was Kevin Kelly. Did you interview Kevin Kelly? I did. I think he's episode 101 of the podcast. The interesting thing about him is he is such an interesting person that literally every podcast appearance is different. (laughs) Like he's had so many lives, so many adventures and like, I feel like it's an interesting goal that if you did a ton of podcasts, everyone would be uniquely special for people. Um, I don't think I'm at that point with my life yet, um, and that that's actually an interesting goal. Like, can I go on podcasts in my seventies, and everyone will be interesting, weird, and different
1: because you've lived so many different lives?
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's my goal. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like it's like having it's like, what are you trying to optimize for? Right? Like to some people, it's like living many different lives is the most interesting path that they could possibly do. That is thinking big because like maybe inside of them, they don't, they only want to live one life in, in the first iteration. And so, yeah, I think it's very important to like think about for yourself, like who are the people you admire and why do you admire them? And what is it about them? That I think is a Important thing to think about when thinking big. Who are the path role models that are alive for you right now? <laughs> That's a good question. That's like a good way of saying like who are your mentors, but like in a very Paul way.
0: No, this is what we call it on the Paths Path. Path, I, path. Role models. I love that.
1: I love that so much. Um, it's people who are living lives on their own terms that are using the internet to build uh, their futures. Um, so you're one of those people. I would say like a few others that come to mind are like David Perell, Chris Williamson, and also like people who have done it at the highest levels like Rogan, Gary Vaynerchuk. Those are people that come to mind initially for PATH mentors.
0: Yeah. what, um, What jumps out somebody like Rogan? I mean, he has executed the thing that
1: I am doing and that I'm devoting my life to. At the highest of levels and at the deep what it deeply is is his ability to communicate thoughts is so good and i admire his his ability to communicate what is on his mind in succinct and helpful ways to other people so that's what comes to mind
0: i love it so wanted to close out this conversation um and offer you the chance to give a challenge to my audience <laughs> Love that this this is something you do in all your podcast episodes um, I totally came up with this on the spot it's very emergent uh, but yeah what what's a challenge you would give uh to the pathless path audience I would say to
1: meditate twenty minutes a day for thirty straight days probably ninety honestly because 90 is when I saw the benefits from it and if I had stopped after thirty it would have be been a different thing so 20 minutes a day for 90 straight days and you will get a closer understanding of what you actually value when you do that. You might not be in a place where you are following your life's work at the end of the 90 days because I certainly wasn't, but I had a, a deeper understanding of myself. I had more kindness, more compassion, more love for myself, and I was able to notice the ways in which my mind was playing tricks on me and change those things. So meditate 20 minutes a day, for 90 straight days, have a kitchen timer. Maybe ideally do it in the morning and be in a different, like, don't do it in your bed. You can't do it in your bed, but you can do it anywhere else as long as your back is straight. And just close your eyes and pay attention to the voice in your head because becoming friends with the voice in your head is the most important thing I believe any of us will ever do. And meditating has got to meet to that place, a closer place of becoming friends with myself. So that's my challenge, 20 minutes a day for nine days straight.
0: I love it. So the Danny Miranda podcast, uh, that is where everyone should go subscribe. Uh, he's got some great episodes. He's memorized every episode number. I think, um, where else do you want to point people?
1: Twitter. Twitter is our, our platform of choice (laughs) for how we, how I started was I started writing when I was 13 years old and I was like, I have this blog, but how do I get people to the blog? I'm gonna to go to Twitter because people who tweet also will read blogs. So, not much has changed in 14 years. I'm still sending people to my Twitter, although the name of the handle is different. At Hey Danny Miranda is the best place to let me know you got to this. What was point, your original handle? At Time Commander. Time
0: Commander. <laughs> I love it. 2009 or 2000? 2000, yeah, I think it was 2009. Oh my god. 2009? How were you nine? No,
1: 2009. I was. 2009 I was 14 so that can't oh, okay. be right it must have been 2007 or
0: eight okay 2008 i think it was 2008. <laughs> <laughs> i love it the time commander checking out thank you for joining <laughs> thank you for joining me on the podcast today danny it's been a pleasure i've really been inspired by you you challenged me to dream big you challenged me to think and um i get a lot from just watching you uh find your groove and uh keep going man rooting for you
1: thank you i appreciate you so much you're a phenomenal interviewer, a phenomenal writer. And I I just love seeing people who the good guys win. You are a good guy and you, you have such a good heart and such a big heart. And you are able to show that so well on this podcast. And I just want you to keep doing what you're doing because I have a feeling that what it will manifest into is something that we possibly can't predict that will bring us both a lot, a lot of joy. So thank you so much for doing this.
0: Thank you for listening to The Pathless Path. I love having these conversations. And if you want to support me, you can rate, review, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow me on YouTube, where I post all the video interviews of this podcast as well. Finally, you can always support me by buying my book, The Pathless Path. It's a book I'm really proud of and has most of my best thinking and probably my best writing in it. And you can get it for less than 20 bucks. So grab that. It's in the show notes. And thank you for listening.